0: Hi, welcome to the 12th house. My name is Michelle Palazon. I'm the host and the head witch in charge here at Holisticism and welcome to my crib. I'm really excited for today's episode because we're doing a Q and a and I love these so much because I love hearing your questions and you really like sending them in. <laughs> and we got some great questions this time around. So we broke them down into three different parts. The first set of questions is going to be around relationships Intuition magic. The next set of questions is gonna be around intuitive business. And then the final round of questions will be sort of a grab bag, if you will. So let's just get into it. What do you say? All right. This first question is how do you intuitively choose between two things? Relationships, jobs, foods for dinner. Ooh, this is a very good question. <laughs> I don't know if I like exactly have an answer to. It. Really? really take anything I say with a grain of salt. These are just my experiences and they are a type of answer, but they are certainly not the be all end all. Cause you know, what do I know? I'm a human having experience just like you. So how do I choose between two things intuitively? Okay. In my experience, usually the big things come out in the wash. Like if I'm supposed to be somewhere, if I'm destined to be with, If something is supposed to happen, and I found this from looking in the records, which is why I can, like, I feel really confident in being able to say this for myself. But in the records, when in the Akashic records, so when we open someone's Akashic record, usually we get sort of this like mile high perspective of like a bunch of different routes they could take and the outcomes those routes will take them on. And often there are certain routes, many routes that lead to like basically the same outcome. So I kind of feel like if it's supposed to happen most of the time um, and you stay like marginally on the path and true to yourself, then you'll get to where you're supposed to go. Anyways, that's just me. But you know, a big thing that really prevents, prevented me in the past from listening to my intuition and trusting that well was not really having access to the Akashic records or being able to see that like pretty consistently in other people. But the other thing that really prevented me from listening to my intuition when it was really calling out to me, because I think most of the time our intuition is is like being pretty fucking clear. And we're just really ignoring it. I'm like our body is always giving us signs and signals, right? And we're really good at ignoring them. And maybe you've gotten so used to ignoring your body or your needs or your whatever information that's coming in that you don't notice it until it's extreme. Most of the time I think our intuition is is pretty clear and in the moments that it's not for me it's usually because my fear of regret is like creeping up and you know god bless my mother she always said i don't want you to have regrets so you know it was i don't want you to date because i don't want you to have regrets or i don't want you to do x y z thing because i don't want you to have regrets and while that, i think that was really well intentioned it gave me this like this is not her fault but it totally gave me a complex around regretting my decisions and being really scared to make the wrong choices. And when my intuition would tell me to do something, there would be this sort of nagging voice in the back of my head that would be like, but what if you regret it? But what if you miss out on something else? But what if this is like you rue the day that this happened? You know, the thing is like regret is inevitable. Even on the best day of your life, there's going to be like one thing. I guarantee you. You're like, well, I kind of regret that I picked the chicken over the salmon, but it was still a really good day. Or I wish I hadn't snapped at that person in my office. But other than that, it was a really good day. You know, it's not all a wash because I have one small, I don't know, piece of my life moment in time that I wish I could turn back and I could do differently. And you got to just get comfortable living with regret and know that you are inevitably going to have regrets. In fact, you'll regret not making regretful decisions, right? Like I have regrets around high school and even my college experience because I was, you know, so scared to to make some choices that maybe would have gotten me in trouble, and I kind of regret that I didn't get in trouble. I regret not being a teenager and so are my wild oats or something. So, anyways, I think that if you can get comfortable with the idea that, yeah, you're probably going to regret some things and that's fine and that's part of living and you're going to survive and your life will still be good, even if you have regrets, that can help you with your intuition. Other thing that helps me when I'm trying to decide between two things, whether it's something as simple as like food, which, by the way, like that's a really that can be for anyone who's recovering from an eating disorder or has disordered eating, that can be a really big big thing to learn is like how to intuitively eat, right? And how to trust yourself and what you want in any given moment. And I remember when I first started practicing intuitive eating after basically my whole life of calorie counting, I was like, but what if I just want intuitively want a bagel like for every meal <laughs> or ice cream for every meal? What's going to happen, right? And this was of course me so many years ago with such disordered eating and totally problematic thinking around weight. But eventually like your intuition, when you really listen to it, steers you in the right direction. It like writes itself and you learn how to trust your intuition. And so I think part of like being able to choose between two things is understanding and trusting your intuition and that it won't make like the quote unquote wrong decision for you. What even is a wrong decision, right? But, when I'm really having a hard time choosing between two things, I'm, if I'm truly like not able, my intuition isn't giving me shit. I try to just picture what my life would look like if I walked each of those outcomes differently. And I have a good example of this. When I met my now partner, um, I was in the middle of fundraising for my company. I met him at a dinner in downtown LA that I didn't want to go to, which was another sort of intuitive head of like, Ugh, I got to go out. I just feel like I should go to this dinner, even though I'm not going to know anyone. And I'm going to try and like leave after 30 minutes. Shout out to our friend, Erica Berger, who introduced us and invited me to that dinner. And we hit it off at this dinner and me and Ethan. And then he invited me out for coffee and kind of friend zoned me, to be honest, because I I was like, we should get dinner. And he was like, how about coffee? And I was like, oh, okay. So (laughs) I'm just a friend then. And we had a great coffee date. And then he basically was like, well, I'm gone for the next two months because I'm going you know, back to Boston and I'm going to be driving a car from Boston to California. It's going to take me a long time. So I guess it's been nice knowing you. And we continued to sort of talk and a week or two later, he invited me to fly across the country, this guy that I really didn't know that well, and go to a wedding with him in upstate New York, like in the middle of nowhere. And I was at this really intense time in work where I was still pretty much working full time. I was freelancing and that was helping to pay for holisticism. And I was fundraising from investors. And I was at a really important and sort of stressful time in holisticism's career. So I was working my ass off because every ounce, <laughs> like every dollar I got paid, was going back into holisticism and building holisticism. And I was also fundraising for the business and a, Very influential founder who I will not mention her name, but she's a girl boss, reached out to me and invited me to her home to talk about investing and fundraising as another female founder. And it was a one on one thing. This opportunity kind of came out of nowhere and it came up the same week that Ethan invited me to come fly across the country, sort of like on a whim. And I really wanted to go do both things. This girl boss said, come to my house on Friday morning and we'll talk. And she lived like in the Hollywood Hills or something. And this was on Monday when I got this email. And so I was like, okay, cool. One like That's my small problem is that I'm supposed to be flying out to, you know, to to the East Coast on Thursday night at like midnight. Is there any way that we can either like meet early in the morning on Friday or meet on Thursday or maybe meet the next week. I really want to take this meeting, but I already have a flight scheduled. I'm happy to move the flight. Honestly, I should have just stood up for myself. But in this moment, I was like, beggars can't be choosers. And you know what? I didn't hear anything from her or her assistant. And then her assistant wrote back to me maybe on Wednesday night and was like, yeah, we're still trying to figure out the best time for this. So just keep, we'll keep posted. I was like, okay, like the deadline's kind of coming up and (laughs) Thursday morning rolls around. I haven't really heard from them. Poor Ethan. I call him and I'm like, so here's the deal. I don't know what I'm going to do. I think I I have to stay because this is like a really important opportunity, but I really want to see you. I just, you know, I have to do my job. And he was totally understanding. And I just had this feeling inside of me that I needed to go visit this person and and see what was going to happen, even though he had really not given me like any signs or signals that he was into me, other than the fact that he invited me to a wedding across the country. That's a pretty good signal. But I didn't know him and I didn't know what was going to happen. And I really had almost zero expectation, but I just had this Major pull, like, I gotta do this. Like, I have to choose a better story. And while both stories would be really cool, you know, going to this girl boss's house and sitting by her pool in the Hollywood Hills and talking about building a business would be sweet. So, with meeting the love of my life and falling in love in some romantic weekend or or that not happening and it going terribly wrong, that would also be like an amazing story, (laughs) you know, that would be hilarious. Either way, this is going to be a good story. And You know, I didn't hear anything from this girl boss or her assistant by Thursday night. It's my flight's supposed to leave at like 1150. And it's probably 10 o'clock, honestly. I remember talking on the phone to my sister and being like, I didn't hear anything. What should I do? My sister was an assistant to someone high powered at the time. And she was like, I don't know, man, the assistant could email you tomorrow and like expect you to show up at, at the house. And, you know, in an hour. I was like, yeah, I just, I think that's rude. <laughs> and uh, I think I'm going to go on the trip. I think I'm going to go. So I packed my suitcase really fast. I got my sister to come stay with my dog. God bless her. And I barely made it to the airport, barely made it on my flight. I think there was like 10 minutes to spare before they closed the gates. And, you know, one thing led to another. Now we're getting married in like two months. So that worked out. And I I just, I, I share it because it was one of those decisions that I feel like they're like sliding doors, right? My life could have gone in one direction if I decided not to go to that or maybe another direction, right? Or maybe maybe I would have ended up with Ethan either way. But who knows, really? Probably would have ended up with him. Let's, let's be honest. He's very charming. But I didn't actually hear from the girl boss investor until like almost a week after we were supposed to meet. And thank God I wasn't like sitting around waiting. And I'm just happy that I listened to my gut. And I think that like really when push comes to shove, our intuition tells us when to go. And sometimes your intuition is, is telling you not to act and to stay still. And there's nothing wrong with that either. So anyways, moral of the story, that was super long, is <laughs> to choose a better story. All right. Next question. How can we navigate a no from the universe? How do we learn to listen for redirection? Ooh. All right. I don't know. Redirection is protection no means not right now, right? These are all the like trite sort of things that we say. And I don't know, in the world when we don't get the news that we want. And I do believe that redirection is protection, like that a no is just protection from God or the universe or someone who's like, oh, sweet baby angel. No, (laughs) that's not right for you. You think that's right, but that is so not right for you. I, I just, you know, when I don't get something that I want, Really badly. This happened to me a lot more when I was younger because I had like really rigid expectations and like goals for myself. Like, I really wanted to be a professional dancer in this company. God, I remember I was, I was apprenticing at this company for a really long time for like six months. So I was working, I was showing up to rehearsals like for free and learning everyone's parts and like had to learn this evening length piece. And I was still, I was working like three jobs so I could like manage to do this. And I thought I was going to get a company role at the end of it because that's what, what was supposed to happen and instead of hiring a woman they hired a man to fill this role and I was so devastated and I thought that the role was mine and it was you know something that I'd wanted for pretty much like my adult dance career since I maybe started college so probably for 4 or 5 years and I was so heartbroken I remember crying so hard when I found out I didn't get the job and you know I think that in moments like that, I think I I can't think of a moment that recently has happened like that for me. And I think it's probably, it's not because I don't fail. I fail all the time, but it's probably more that I'm less rigid about what my expectations or what my goals are and what I have to do. I think that your dream job wants you and your soulmate wants you and sees you. And anything that doesn't want you isn't for you. It isn't the best for you. And I don't know, something that I kind of can't wrap my head around with manifestation and the way that it's often taught is that I'm just so small. And like my perception of what I need or what's best for me is so limited based on my experiences and like how tiny my brain is, right? And like how little I know of the world. I could think that the best thing for me would be getting that job in that dance company or moving to a house in Portugal, or I don't know, meeting some Brilliant business partner. I could say that those are the things that I want to have, or living rent free somewhere, right? Like in some magical treehouse somewhere. I could say that those are things that I want, and that like those are my goals in life, or I want to manifest those things. And the universe could tell me no, and I don't know. It doesn't have to be like catastrophic. It could be that I just can't see the whole plan. <laughs> living in a treehouse somewhere, the universe is like babe, no, <laughs> that's not our plan. That's not your, that's not your sacred path. You know, that's not your work. It's not what you're here to do. You're totally off of it. Like the things that you think you want are not even like, they're not even going to be on your radar in five years. So no, we're not going to land you in something that's going to be really difficult for you to maneuver out of just so you can get back on your path. I don't know. Maybe, and you can, you're totally free to disagree with me on this, but that freaks me out as someone with, like, who's kind of a perfectionist and has a lot of anxiety of like, again, doesn't want to make the bad the wrong choice. Um, doesn't want to have regrets. I'm so small. How could I possibly know what to manifest? What's right for me? I'm, I'm just because I like have a whim. I like want this one thing right now. I could totally change my mind in a year. Like, Oh, I'm so limited. Um, I don't know if you're talking about like, I got to know because I didn't get my dream apartment or like, I got to know from this person I have a crush on who I really love and they don't love me back, which sucks. That's not like that sucks. But other knows from the universe, you know, like I don't know, maybe you're grappling with infertility or maybe someone you love has terminal illness, or maybe you're really sick and you have chronic illness or you're dealing with disease or something else or trauma. I don't know what you're going through, but I think that's where things get more complicated, right? Where it's not just like a no from the universe. I don't I don't know if I necessarily agree with chalking it up to well that's god's plan or it was supposed to happen like this. Like when people lose someone and and well-meaning well-intentioned people will say, "Well, there must be a plan. It must be for the greater good. There must be a reason that god or whomever would take them from us. They're in a better place. This is the better plan." And I find that really not comforting and very difficult in moments of grief to picture that your your deepest sorrow is like just a byproduct of some better plan and that you don't understand it yet and and maybe that's comforting too, in a way of like yeah, i I can't really unpack this because I don't know the answer but I don't know, I guess I, I think we have kind of a couple of choices. We can either choose to believe that life is meaningless and empty. Um, or we can choose to believe that life is meaningless and empty until we give it meaning. Or we can believe that there is some greater meaning to all of this and we just don't really have access to it. And I think I kind of fall in the middle of, you know, life is meaningless and empty until we give it meaning. And that's part of like what being a god on earth is like what being part of sources which we all are right we're all experiencing the divinity of the world of like of life through these bodies so that's kind of cool and I, I did not mean to go so deep sorry scorpio moon i just i don't want to like brush over this and i just want to say if you're dealing with something that's heartbreaking for you anything small or, or large i don't know if the answer is to just say well There must be a greater plan. I think that with things like infertility or with loss or with grief, maybe we can approach those experiences from the perspective of maybe there is no point. Maybe there is no reason. Maybe there is no sign or deeper meaning that we're supposed to take away from it. Maybe it's just how things are. I took a conversion class to Judaism over the pandemic. It was really long. It was like six months. I have like four hours every week. It was a lot on Zoom. But one of my favorite things that I learned about was grieving and death and how in the Jewish tradition you would approach that. And I really loved talking about when bad things do happen. And one of the rabbis who was teaching my class talked about how, you know, we don't know why bad things happen to good people and why good things happen to bad people. (laughs) We don't know. And it's not always correct to say, well, there must be a plan or this is God's plan or there's some greater purpose to this, as if your pain is like a pawn towards the greater purpose. Maybe the best thing that we can do is just say, I don't know. I don't know what this means or if this has meaning. But this is just what I'm going through right now, and being present to it. So I maybe took that a little bit more, in a more depressing route than we wanted to go, but it is what it is. Next question: Depression. Oh, okay. This is this is a okay. This is a heavy one. Depression. When it started. How you manage it. And any extended or big beliefs around it it's function. All right. When did my depression start? Like forever ago. Like I've had it since I was a little kid. How do you manage it? Pretty much like my whole life. How do I manage how I, like I have picked my life in a lot of ways. So in the house I live in, the clothes I wear, the, how I exercise, how I eat, who I spend my time with, the media that I take in, the decor in my house, like all these things contribute to my mood and my ability to like function like a person, like a normal person, whatever normal means, a not depressed person. And I think when you live with something like depression or anxiety or ADHD or or something else, I don't, I don't know, but those are the things I live with, or like a chronic illness, like epilepsy, you just kind of like create an ecosystem around you so you can survive and you don't realize how many of your decisions are tied to just keeping you like stable. (laughs) And how important so many of those decisions are that maybe other people might take for granted, or that you take for granted until they're taken away from you. And then you're like, oh fuck, that actually like really contributed to my well-being. And I didn't even realize it because I'm so good at doing this for myself. So everything, everything. And I noticed my depression is worse when I go through like a somewhat traumatic experience or a really stressful experience. So my partner recently had a health scare and yeah, I would say my depression was kicking. And every time, every depressive episode, I'm re- I feel very lucky that I like kind of see that there are triggers for it as opposed to just waking up and all of a sudden feeling like that anvil of depression smacking you over the forehead, but out of nowhere. So usually I can kind of see it creeping up on me and I'm really lucky that I, I can pay to go see a therapist who also can kind of call it out for me. Sometimes she needs to and she says like, oh, so you're depressed. I'm like, oh, (laughs) there's that funny feeling again. Um, Cool. But it's different every time. Every sort of depressive episode needs something different from me. And uh, it's like a moving target. So sometimes that means I got to change up when I'm eating or I'm exercising or who I'm talking to or how I'm practicing my spirituality or something else, how I'm working. I mean, if I need to take time off. It just is really personal and really depends on the situation and any extended or big beliefs around its function. I mean, now that I am really like managing ADHD, I do think that that's more of the root cause of anxiety and depression for me, just because I notice such a big difference when I treat my ADHD. Like my anxiety immediately goes away. My depression and irritability immediately goes, like any moodiness, like pretty much goes away, which is phenomenal. It also makes me really sad for The thirty whatever thirty two years of my life that I didn't know that that was the root of why I felt the way that I felt. But I I think that also when I look back on like my most depressive moments, the lesson that I can take away is, those are like some of my most visceral, right? My like most meaty, hairy, muscular moments of life that I feel so deeply. Like if I close my eyes and imagine myself at my most depressed, yeah, I was like really sad, but I also was like a sponge for every feeling. And I could feel everything so deeply. It's like this, I got all of this, this container like hollowed out inside of me. And I think that's what I've learned from depression for myself is that I have the capacity to hold such intense feelings, even when they feel like completely unmanageable and like, I can't hold them. I am because I'm alive, you know, and I'm holding them. And It reminds me of how deep I am and like how much I'm capable of. So not to like bright side it, but that's one of my, I think one of my big lessons is like, whoa, yeah, I'm like deepening my container every time I go through one of these experiences that like really takes a lot out of me emotionally. I'm like practicing my, I'm expanding my nervous system to hold more. (laughs) So yeah, also therapy rocks.
1: We're taking a little break to talk about our lovely sponsor, Open. Open is a meditation movement and mindfulness platform that is truly the best out there. They have on on demand (laughs) and live classes (laughs) and they don't help you with your accent, so but I just did this morning a movement class with Ali Maz and it was called a Strengthen Your Roots Flow class. And I was a little intimidated because I haven't done yoga for a long time. I thought I was going to be really stiff and feel really awkward, but it was the right amount of strength. I didn't get bored. I get bored in really slow classes. Um, and it was so lovely.
0: Oh, that's great. I mean, there's nothing worse for me than the feeling of just like... Deflation. when I get 15 minutes into a yoga class and then I lay on my mat in my house for 20 minutes after that, like scrolling through Instagram because I got bored. So finding a good virtual yoga class is a holy grail.
1: 100%. I'm obsessed with all their meditation and breathwork classes. I think maybe we already mentioned this, but I'm sometimes pausing the on-demand classes to shazam the playlist. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Sorry, it's more important than me breathing. I need to know this song. <laughs>
0: This is what will soothe my mind, is understanding what Spotify playlists is.
1: Actually, George posts his playlist.
0: George, our V I R, and one of Open's breathwork teachers and meditation teachers.
1: He's a true saint. If you want to check out Open, we are doing an awesome partnership with them, where if you use the code HOLISTICISM or follow the link in our show notes, you
0: get 30 days free. Such a great offer. Like, the. Ugh. You get a whole month to just like hang out, use the platform, see if you like it, take as many classes as you want.
1: And at the very least, you'll get some awesome new songs to add to your playlist. (laughs) No, but they've really turned me on to breath work in a way that feels really approachable. So check them out. And we'll also be doing as a community classes over the next few weeks and posting about that on Instagram and in the Mighty Networks Hub. So look out for that and join us in class.
0: All right, last question around spirituality and wellness. Would love to know your thoughts on sex magic. That's in all caps, practices for manifestation. (laughs) Okay, I don't know about manifestation, but I do know that sex magic is real. So there's that. I am not a sex magic practitioner. Like, I'm not an expert in it. I just, you, you know, do it. And I don't know. I think it's probably really personal. I'm also not like a trauma informed sex therapist. So, I don't want to like give you sex advice, but I'll give you a little context around my maybe my relationship with sex. We are getting like so intimate today. I oh my god, you guys! I was a virgin until I was like almost twenty. Like I was like desperately trying to give my virginity to like truly anyone. <laughs> and I was like, <sighs> will someone please take this off my hands because it is exhausting and it is too heavy of a load to bear. But I grew up going to Catholic school and very like moralistic and religious, and was told you know, you're worth the wait. And which is very nice. But I also had to sign like a purity contract and some, some letter to my future husband saying I wouldn't, I would not give away my carnal flower to anyone but him. And I would, I would wait for him and pray for him every day. And, you know, like not really my vibe, but I was terrified to have sex. So because I didn't want to have any regrets, this is really coming full circle. So when I moved to New York after, you know, that, a horrific experience in high school uh, and was like basically the first week of school rolling around naked on the floor with a bunch of people of all over the gender spectrum and the sexual identity spectrum um that really got me really comfortable with my body and with the idea of physicality and sharing intimacy with other people and other bodies and getting safe in my body. I definitely learned that at art school. And so I think by the time I finally, finally fucking boned, um, it was a great experience. I was with someone that I really cared about and who I was with for a really long time after that. And I don't know, I got really lucky around sex. I know that a lot of people don't and I'm, and that's the only reason I'm sharing this is because I think I've always had a pretty comfortable relationship with sex. And so sex magic was like something that actually that Ethan introduced to me when we first started talking. He was like, have you read this book, The Magdalene Man- Manuscript? And I was like, what? And of course, I got it off of Amazon and, and read it. And I was like, this shit is bananas. This is crazy. It's a channeled text. It's wild. Like you can go read it. Do I subscribe to the Ma- Mer- Magdalene Manuscript? IDK. I don't know how I feel about channel text. To be totally honest with you, it was definitely kooky. And also, I I think like the main sort of message that I would boil it down to and take away from it is that sex is powerful, just like any powerful emotion or emotional connection. It it creates alchemy. And so anything that's two energies coming together, creating a new energy, that's magic. And if if we can harness that power, that emotion, that energy um, towards a desired outcome, then that's practicing something like sex magic, right? Or some sort of spell. That's what you do when you practice a spell. You, You pull your energy down, right? And you direct it towards your spell. So I'm a fan. I think that when you're working with a consenting partner who knows what they're working towards and you're able to be honest and vulnerable with each other um, about what you're wanting to call in and create, then it's really cool. I mean, like not the coolest thing to like go and seduce someone and not tell them that you're practicing sex magic, but you can also practice sex magic by yourself. So that's cool. Just all you need is a vibrator or your hand and an orgasm. Bang, bang, boom. Let's pop into intuitive business. Okay. So first question, what would you say are good alternative structures to capitalism? And how can we embody the alternatives as business owners living in a capitalistic society? Oh, right. We are throwing punches. I like it. So good examples, alternatives, structures to capitalism. For me, I think my top three Places to pick inspiration from are circular economies and sharing economies. Using nature as a framework for how we share energy in our own community. Always looking to nature. Emergent Strategies by Adrian Marie Brown is a great book to, to also read if you're curious about that. And looking to indigenous communities. For the wisdom that they hold and that they've been practicing for generations upon generations far before before capitalism as we know it and the primitive accumulation began. And, you know, like capitalism doesn't have to suck. It does right now because we've married capitalism to oppression, but like it doesn't have to def- necessarily be that. We don't know capitalism any other way, but that doesn't mean that that's like the only definition of capitalism. Like the true definition of capitalism is just like free markets, right? So that doesn't necessarily have to lead to Oppression and taking advantage of workers and haves and have nots and classism and sexism and racism and, you know, all of the other isms, all of the other sites of oppression that spring up out of capitalism and and basically like not valuing lives, valuing productivity over people and humanity. But it doesn't have to be that way. It just has become that. So we as business owners can choose to divest from the problematic aspects of capitalism that we don't agree with. We can be humanists, right? If capitalism strips us of our humanity and our reminder of being human, then how can we, we pour humanity back into the businesses that we run? And that's going to look different for everyone, but also like, don't forget. Yeah. Of course you can do a lot as a small business owner or a small company, but like really the, the most problematic oppressors and upholders of capitalism are giant corporations like Nike, Amazon, Coke, that are perpetuating like the worst elements of capitalism. And if we hold their feet to the fire and ask them to be accountable and ask them to change, like that will make a really big difference. Don't get gaslit into thinking that this is all your responsibility. That's more capitalist individualism propaganda. Yes, you can make a difference and you're important, but we also need to work together as a global community to tear down the problematic aspects of capitalism and to create new systems and structures that support everyone all right next question i recently heard a white cis woman influencer say if you say you support women you have to support all women that's in all caps even those who you disagree with context is about anti-vax rhetoric those who never remark on injustice hashtag love and light etc okay i think this question was do is that true um Okay, I don't know. This makes no sense to me. <laughs> like, that is one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. That's just illogical. Like that's like saying, "Oh, you support women, name all women." <laughs> like what? What are you talking about? You don't have to support anyone. This is to me a worse version of identity politics because it doesn't it doesn't mean anything. Just because we live in the same neighborhood, we don't necessarily agree, right? So because I share a gender identity with you, which, like, I don't really get to choose. I'm like, just, I'm in this club with you. I have to support you, even when you do shit that's, I don't know, really problematic and dangerous to me as an individual or to my community. No way. That doesn't make any sense. I hate that. <laughs> to me, uh, I'm not just a woman. You know, this is the problem with. When people like distort identity politics in this way, I'm, I'm so many things and I don't need to push away the other elements of who I am just to, I don't need to ignore all the other important parts of me that make me, me, that might be antithetical to what this person or woman says. I don't need to ignore those aspects of myself and say, well, no, I have to support her because we are both women. Like, okay, cool. We, I, we share the same gender gender is a construct. Like what does that even, it doesn't even make sense. So I would say I call bullshit on that, but you can think whatever you want. (laughs) And that makes no sense to me. You don't have to support people. You're allowed to change your mind. You can support people for a certain period of time, get to know them, realize that they're not who you thought they were. And then you don't have to continue to support them. You don't, they're not entitled to your love, to your support, to your presence, to your resource. No one is entitled to anything. So uh, that's just like, that. No, I'm not into that. <laughs> sounds like the person who wrote this question and also isn't into that. So I'm glad we're on the same wavelength. All right. Last question around intuitive business. Oh, this is a good one. Am I allowed to move forward if I have been an extremely toxic person in the past? How do I hold myself accountable for the harm I have done? Wow. First off, like that's really astute of you to acknowledge that you've been extremely toxic. I think that most of us have been extremely toxic at some point. I know I sure have. Like I would imagine at the height of my eating disorder when I was teaching fitness and you know nutrition to a bunch of women that I was probably pretty toxic. So apologies <laughs> to anyone who... No, but really, I, I do apologize to anyone that I may have harmed. And they, they, they say that hurt people hurt people. It's not an excuse, but I do think it's true. And it sounds like you've gone through a healing process where you've realized that you're really toxic and you're probably like really hurting people because you were hurt. And now you're able to see with clear vision that that was kind of fucked up. And I think all we can do is ask for forgiveness and, you know, how to to make repair and see if that's available and open and if it's appropriate, because it's not always appropriate for us to go to someone and ask for repair, you know, and you kind of have to make that judgment call for yourself, but you're allowed to change. And in fact, you're supposed to change. And I think that you should cut yourself a little bit more slack and you should create guardrails for yourself. So you're not a toxic person. So what do you need to do to make sure that you don't do the same shit that you did before, that you don't walk down the same path? What helpers, teachers, mentors, guides, systems, what do you need? What education do you need to get to do better? Because once you know better, you're responsible for doing better. So I believe in you. And I think that You should redeem yourself. You should give yourself the opportunity to redeem yourself and become the person you want to be, not the person that you used to be or who used to act in a certain way. You know, you you are able to create a fresh start. Um, And of course, like if you're open to being held accountable for your actions, I think that that helps too. Finally, I'm going to answer some of the random questions. So, okay. Dying to know what crypto y'all are investing in. (laughs) Okay. This is not financial advice. This is not a research report or uh, securities information. We are not accountants or investment bankers or anything like that. We are just casual, casual investors in, in traders in Bitcoin. So I'm not going to share who has what on our team because I don't know. I didn't get permission to do that. But on our team, people have Avalanche, which is an eco-friendly coin, Bitcoin, Litecoin, Ethereum, Ripple, Cardano, and Reserve Rights. So yeah, I would recommend just like going and researching what's interesting to you. I think that cryptocurrency is like... and. Decentralized banking and decentralized currencies are a really interesting way to to understand energy and the energy of money. And that's why I'm super into crypto and just kind of studying it as a passive observer. Also, it's a great lesson in letting go. The way that I invest is I create a set a dollar amount. Oh my god, a really long time ago now, like almost a year ago, that I just invest the same dollar amount every single month in a bunch of different coins. So I buy the same amount like Whatever, $100 worth, $500 worth, $1,000 worth, $2,000 worth, whatever, doesn't matter how much you use, $20 worth. But you want to keep it the same because crypto is so volatile. And unless you are like really watching it, you're not going to want to like trade quickly. You probably, if you're anything like me and the people on our team, you're probably going to want to hold for a while and just kind of let it do its thing over time. But I think that cryptocurrency is honestly fascinating. So, yeah. Kind of an addendum, that separate question. Thoughts on NFTs. I think again, NFTs, cryptocurrency, all of this new idea around current any new ideas around currency and and value is fascinating. And just like any new technology, we gotta be careful, right? We don't know the necessary we don't we don't know what's gonna what's gonna happen, right? What the sort of domino effect is gonna look like or the butterfly effect. Remember when Facebook started and like look at where we are now? Same thing with Amazon. Amazon used to sell books, right? We don't know what's gonna happen. So I think this offers us a great opportunity to be more conscientious and thoughtful and watch ourselves more carefully and see what positive elements are coming from. Things like alternative, you know, markets and blockchain and just keep ourselves honest around what's working and also what's maybe problematic. I love that cryptocurrency is already moving towards something that, and building more structures that are sustainable and give back to the environment. I think that NFTs, crypto, the blockchain, they all present really interesting ways to get more money in the hands of more people who are not like already affluent and at a certain class level. And that's always gonna be really interesting to me. Who knows if this experiment will work or not? But it is a grand experiment, just like human design. And I think it's something to watch and try to learn from as opposed to pretending like it doesn't exist or like sort of poo-pooing it because it's so futuristic and techy and because it maybe is a little scary to learn. All right. Last question. Tell us about your dreams lately. Oh my God. I don't know if these are like hypothetical... figurative dreams or my my literal dreams, my dream dreams. I mean, I've got so many. I'm dreaming about renting a villa in Italy with my family and my husband's family and spending some time there. I think that would be really cool. I'm dreaming about a North Node retreat. I'm dreaming about how I can help develop my team over the next year and make opportunities for them and support them and the things that they want to create and do. I'm dreaming about the future of holisticism and what we want it to be and what you want it to be and how I can continue to build something, a structure that's supportive, but also led by the community. And I'm also, I've mentioned this a couple times in the podcast, but I'm dreaming about a year long maternity leave. I don't, I'm not pregnant and I don't know if I'm going to be able to get pregnant, but oh my God, I was working in our co working space this week. And I heard this woman talking who's pregnant and she was like, yeah, I'm going to take like a week off. And then I'm going to get back to work. And I was just like, whoa, that sucks. Like she was talking about it. Like she was excited and she like, that was what she wanted. And if that's what she wants, more power to her. But I just felt like, oh my God, that makes me want to cry. Like, I don't want that. I love my job and I love my work. And also like, I really want to, I want to open up the possibility that like, maybe we can rest or like definitely we can rest and we can take time to nurture ourselves and heal ourselves and be present to the things that we want to be present to and and not lose out and not lose ground on another area of our lives. I, I don't know if that's like possible or if that's like a fever dream, but I think it's possible. And I wanna like hold that vision for myself and for more people. And you know, I have a team of of people who can give birth to babies, you know, pretty much. And I want to, if that's what I want to like hold that for them too, you know, like you could still work here and take a year off and, you know, and get paid, be on maternity leave and come back and, and we'd be delighted to have you. I think that's a really cool world to operate in where caretaking is as valuable as, you know making the dollar bills and building community. I really, how is caretaking that different than building community? I don't know. So those are some of my dreams. What are my other dreams? Oh, I'm reorganizing my bathroom. I really wanted a Lucite sort of drawer system for like all of my beauty products because I don't know. I just thought that would be like super chic. And I found this really cool Lucite like roller. I think it's supposed to be like a bar cart or something, but it's beautiful. I found it on CB2 and I have to wait like three months for it to get delivered. And I just don't know if I can wait. It's really cool. But I I think I need to like organize my bathroom so desperately that like I've reached the point where it's untenable, even though it's organized, it's technically in a filing cabinet. I don't want to talk about it. All you need to know is that like I've been dreaming about Lucite furniture. (laughs) And so if you find some amazing Lucite, you know, something that could be like a vanity that could hold a bunch of beautiful beauty products, like hit me up. (laughs) Might want to buy that for you. But yeah, amongst other things, amongst big dreams of like, you know, circular economies and long days of rest and joy and laughter and healthy futures for all of us and, and a new world. <laughs> Light, casual stuff. All right. That's, I think, all that I have for you this week. I hope this was useful. I hope this answered some questions. It was a little all over the place. I feel like we really got to know each other. I mean, man, I talked about my sex life. So- if there's anything else you want to know, just hit me up. You can shoot me a note at Holisticism on Instagram or Michelle at I'm usually sorry to respond to non-urgent requests on email, but i love to hear from you. And oh, yes. And we're giving away one of our sweatshirts from the Holisticism store. We have three limited edition sweatshirts. They are amazing. Oh my god, they're so amazing. They're so luxurious. They're like pillowy soft and like so cozy. And I know it's August and it's like 100 degrees where everyone is. But these are the best sweatshirts ever. And we are giving one away. So if you can win a Holisticism sweatshirt of your choosing, uh, when you rate, review and subscribe to the podcast, and then you send a screenshot of your review to the number in the show notes. Um, it's a text line, so you can just shoot a screenshot, and we will enter your name to win our raffle. And we are so grateful for you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, I hope you have a great week. <laughs> Let me know if you liked this or if there was if this was weird. <laughs> like you can tell me. You can tell me if it was weird. So maybe like reply on 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 Instagram. Shoot me a DM or share a screenshot of you listening to this. And let me know what part was your favorite or what part you're like, I never want to hear that from you again, Palazon. Please don't ever talk about sex magic. That was terrible. I'm scarred for life. I, I will take. I will take the notes. Trust me. I can take notes well. Okay. That's all I have for you. I hope you have a beautiful rest of your week. Everything is magic. There's magic in the mundane. Stay cool out there. And I'll see you on the internet. Okay. Bye.